Welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast. And today we are excited to sit down with Sister Caitlin Smith and just anxious and excited to get to know all about her. And um, to get started, let's just hear about your childhood and where you grew up. All right. Hello. Um, I am from Spokane, born and raised. I was born at Sacred Heart. Uh, both my parents are from Spokane. We have been here a long time. So, uh, like my mom's family, my grandma, uh, her family originated in Germany. And then they moved over and they settled in Spangle and Roselia. So I have a lot of family that were farmers in the area. So that's kind of fun. And then my grandpa, um, his family was um, from Montana and Scotland. So during the Reformation in Scotland, when all of the Scottish were kicked out by the English, they moved to Nova Scotia and then crossed the border into Montana. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Um, and actually, I was listening to Patrick Birch's podcast, and he said that he's from Anaconda, Montana. A lot of my family was from Anaconda, okay. Montana. So that was really fun. I liked learning about that. Um, my dad's family have lived in Coeur d'Alene for generations, and then they moved to Spokane. My grandma's family was originally from Wyoming. They moved to Rathdrum, and then they moved to Spokane. And then my grandpa's family has been in Coeur d'Alene. So I have a bunch of family and um, family history in Coeur d'Alene area, too. So we've been here a while. My parents uh, lived just off of, uh, both of them lived a couple blocks away from each other growing up. And they lived off of University um, and Maxwell on one side. And I don't remember what the other street is on the other side, but kind of closer to Mission up there. Okay. Mission and University. Uh, both my parents went to North Pines and then they both went to uh, University High School for high school. So did they know each other growing they up? They did, yeah. yeah. My dad wasn't very nice, apparently. He uh, <laughs> would uh, ride by on bikes with another boy from the neighborhood, and they would throw, like, apples at my mom <laughs> and her friends. So that was funny. So, yeah, they went to the same high school. They didn't really know each other in high school. They ran with different crowds. But after high school, they kind of ran into each other again and met. And then uh, they actually went and lived in Hawaii for a couple years and got married and then came back to Spokane and then had us. So okay. myself and my little brother. Okay. Just the two of us. And you grew up here your whole life in Spokane? Grew up here. I went to Sunrise. Okay. Went for elementary school. And then my dad was actually a teacher at Horizon uh, Junior High slash Middle School now for 25 years. So I, in seventh grade, I wanted to go somewhere different than everybody I knew from elementary. So I went to Horizon for a year. My dad got kind of tired of living in the valley. He'd always lived here. So we actually moved up to Deer Park for one year. So for eighth grade, I, I went to Riverside High or Riverside Middle School. And then for ninth grade, we moved back and I went to Evergreen. Okay. And then I did high school at CV. At CV. CV. So CV was 2000 to 2004, but I did running start. So as a junior, I went out to Spokane Falls Community College. And for two years, I did community college instead of high school. So I earned my AA at the same time I got my GED. Very cool. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun, actually. I really liked that. The freedom of doing that and roaming around. It was it was good. Taking high school classes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And tell us about some of your hobbies growing up. Um, so my dad's a PE teacher. 
So we did a lot of sports. So I was always doing either like softball, volleyball, tennis. We don't do soccer. That's a that's a dirty word in my house. <laughs> my dad hated soccer. So we never played soccer, um, but we did pretty much everything else. In the summertime, he had keys to Horizon. So we would go in the summertime, we'd play with all the equipment up there. So like we'd set up the badminton nets and we'd yeah. have badminton championships together. It was a lot of fun doing that with that, him during the summer because he was the parent home. So we spent most of the summer with my dad. Perfect. Yeah. And then in high school, I know you did track. I did. I, yeah. So I switched from softball to track and field. Um, I just didn't love the girls that I was doing softball with. Uh, they didn't really mesh with me. I feel like different priorities. And so I was really good at throwing. I was actually underhand um, softball pitcher. So fast pitch pitcher. And I really loved it, uh, just didn't like the people I was playing with. So then, because I could throw so well, I went into throwing stuff for track. Okay. So, through the <laughs> javelin, discus, and shot put. Okay. And then where did life take you after high school? So, my dad, since he grew up around here, um, he had gotten a job in high school at Halpin's tre- Pharmacy and Treasure Room. It used to be on... Um, Sprague and almost a University Broadway, I think, okay. where the blockbuster used to be. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> probably too long ago. So there was a Halpin's Pharmacy and Treasure Room. It had been there forever. So he, when he was a teenager, he got a job as a box boy, and he worked there for a really long time um, before he went to school. Okay. And so when I needed a job in high school, um, he went and asked because he knew the owners and they said, yeah, sure. And so I got a job at Halpin's Pharmacy and Treasure Room. I loved it. I knew um, a lot of people were family friends because he had known them forever. Yeah. It was a great job, but it was a pharmacy. And I would watch um, the pharmacists and all of these cute old people would just like come in. And the best part was they would just sit there and talk with the pharmacist. And it was amazing. I really love old people. So they would go and talk with the pharmacist and I'd be like, wow, that's a great job. I love that job. Yeah. And then they would, you know, they would do, you know, stuff with chemistry and they had graduated cylinders and conical cylinders and all this kind of fun equipment. And I was like, this sounds like a really good job. So I started talking to the pharmacist and I was like, like, what does this, what does this entail? What do you, what do you do for a job? And so I was watching them for a while and I decided, yeah, I could get, I could get into this. Okay. Yeah. I want to be a pharmacist. I really like this. So I applied to WSU to be, I had to do undergrad before I could get into pharmacy school. So I needed a couple years of prereqs before pharmacy school. Yeah. Um, so I did that, did two years of undergrad. Um, the one class that I took, um, chemistry. So uh, regular chemistry and then OCHEM, it was in a giant room and it would, it was called the pit. Uh-huh. And it was this huge concrete room with concrete steps that went all the way down <laughs> with these chairs. And there was like 500 people in this room. They told us, I think it was like the first day, they're like, okay, look to your look to your left, look to your right. Both those people are going to be gone by the end of the semester, just so you're aware. So they would weed out two-thirds of the class by the end. Wow. And it was, it was, it was trial by fire. That was a, that was a rough class. So we got through, I got all my prereqs done and then applied for pharmacy school. And that was another trial by fire. So they, a thousand applicants and only a hundred would get in. So the top 10% of your applications would get in. 
So I did that and I was like, no, I really, this is what I want to do. So, you know, I just, I just went with it and told them my story, like what I really wanted to do and why. And they're like, yeah, this is, so they, so they got me in. So So, yeah, I got in. So, and at that time, the first two years were at WSU Pullman and they hadn't built the Spokane campus. Now you have all four years at the Spokane campus because there's hospitals up here, whereas in Pullman, there's no hospitals. Yeah. So I did two years of the first two years down in uh, Pullman. And it's funny, I was talking to Erica Young and we were actually there at the same time. Okay. So, and the pharmacy building is adjacent to the vet building. So we were like right next two to buildings. Sh- right you next probably to walked each by other. each other. Yeah, is that fun? Yeah. So, and then, um, so we did that and we were two years down there and then we came up to Spokane and I did two years in Spokane and then I did a residency. And the residency was at, um, at the time, Central Washington Hospital in Wenatchee. Okay. So I did a residency there for one year. And, yeah, I've just loved it. I love it so much. now you are. Tell us about where you work now. Yeah, so now, um, currently, I am the director of pharmacy at Valley Hospital. So I, after my year of residency in Wenatchee, I actually got recruited uh, by Phoenix Children's Hospital down in Arizona. So they recruited me. They were looking for people that they wanted. And so um, I applied for the job and got hired and we moved down to Phoenix and lived in the super hot for seven years. <laughs> and uh, then we had kids and it was just too hot. And I couldn't imagine living down there because I imagined growing up here and in the summers you were always outside and doing stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, it's too hot. I can't live in a place like this. So we came, we came back and because of the kids and I just wanted them to be able to have the outdoor experience I did when I was little. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. So tell us how you met Jeff and where along the lines that happened. (laughs) So, um, when I moved down to WSU to go to school, um, Jeff was there too. So he's from the LA area in California and he came up to do architecture at WSU because they have a really good architecture program. And so, um, I had a friend, a girlfriend from high school who was a year above me and she had gone to WSU the year before her name was Erin and she, um, she lived two doors down from me in the same, uh, co-ed, uh, dorm. It's called Scott, Scott Coleman. So we lived in Scotty Co and it was co-ed by floors. So it was like boy, girl, boy, girl. So she lived two doors down from me. And one day she comes down to my room and she says, you need to come with me. And I said, okay, where are we? (laughs) What are we doing? Where are we going? And so um, she's like, we got to go down to the boys where I was like, okay. And so she takes me down there and and she's like, somebody apparently wrote something about me on the boys bathroom stall. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So we go into the boys bathroom and sure enough, there was something written on the stall that said something about like, for a good time, see Aaron in room such and such. And she immediately was like, ah, and she stormed off and she like was going down the hall. And I'm like, okay. So I follow her and we end up at Jeff's dorm room. Okay. <laughs> she knocks on the door. He comes to the door and he said, hey, what are you guys doing? And she's like, did you write something on the bathroom stall about me? <laughs> And he's like, no, let's go see. And so we go, <laughs> go to see. And sure enough, there's her name. But he's like, well, it's not your room number. If it if it was me, I would have gotten your room number right. It's okay. not me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she's like, oh, okay, good point. Yeah. So it was just funny. So that's how we met. Um, we had a very similar class load and schedule. And because we lived in the same dorms, there was a uh, food pavilion like right next to us. Okay. Cafeteria, whatnot. So 
we just ate together all the time because we are we because of our class schedules being so similar we were just together yeah. all the time so he was my food buddy he loves to eat anybody who knows jeffrey to win his heart <laughs> is through food so he loves to eat everything we would go he he would always want to go to like the buffets and he would try to make it a competition to see how many plates he could eat of food and stack them, like how high he could get them. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was that was our entertainment. So we spent a lot of time together. And he even, I worked in the dorms at the front desk. So like I sorted the mail and then like made sure nobody got past the, the dorm entrances that wasn't supposed to be yeah. there and all of that stuff. So I worked at the front desk and he would bring me food too. He's like, oh, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I guess I want some of this. So he would bring me food while I was working too. Yeah. So yeah, we that's how we met and just became really, really good friends. I was actually dating another guy at the time. Been dating him for a couple of years. So um, we just really remained good friends. And then that relationship kind of fell apart and... Jeff and I had basically been dating. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, this, this sounds good. I think this will work. And so, yeah, we just continued with the way that we were, more or less. Perfect. Yeah. And then married in what year? We were married in 2010. Okay. So we went, we both graduated high school in 2004, both went to WSU. I graduated with a bachelor's in 2007. He graduated with his bachelor's in 2008. I graduated from pharmacy school in 2010, and then we got, I started my residency, and we got married that, that okay. fall into okay. residency. And then two kids? Two kids, uh, both born in Arizona. Uh, Emerson is our oldest. He will be seven in August, and Bridget, she will be five in November. And any highlights you want to share from raising them so far? Well, probably the... <laughs> The first highlight, Emerson's always been, um, since he was born, I mean, even his birth it was uh, was difficult. So he's he's always been um, not difficult, but headstrong. He's been yes. a very headstrong individual, <laughs> always his own person. So he, uh, we got pregnant with Emerson. The week he was born in Phoenix, it was 117 oh degrees. <laughs> I had to be induced because we were right at 40 weeks and I had actually had preeclampsia with both the kids. Okay. And so um, they're like, oh, you're getting toxic levels. You need to go in. We need to induce you. So they induced me. It didn't really take. I labored for 36 hours with him and then um, my epidural fell out and I was like, all right, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Get him out. We're done. Yeah. So went to emergency C-section, got him out um, and he was huge. It was just gigantic. So he's 99th percentile for everything. And after, after they got him out, they measured his head and I could hear the nurse behind me and she goes, Ooh, it's a good thing you had him via C-section. He's got a huge head. And I was like, okay, well, there was a reason that wasn't yeah. there. So, um, he, he has always been very curious and he really likes to build things. Um, he can be very serious but he definitely, he's a deep thinker a little bit, just like his dad. So he has, always has very good questions. I love that he's so curious and he asks all these questions. But some days you're like, okay, you've met your question quota yeah. for today. <laughs> That's enough. You've met the 100 question quota. write them all down Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bridget, her pregnancy went a little better. She gave me... Um, not only preeclampsia, but also gestational diabetes. So she's, but she's a, she's a firecracker. So I would expect no less from her. 
Uh, she is my daredevil. She has had more bloody noses than Emerson ever has. She smashed her face a couple times. She likes to jump off of things. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been, she's definitely the, the no fear child. She, she jumps into everything with all of her heart. So I kind of like it. She, you know, with Emerson, um, arguments with him are not r always rational with her arguments are kind of fun because she just likes to she just likes to be like the opposite right okay, yeah. always right <laughs> so you she's just, right or wrong you just kind of have to laugh because she's really she's yeah. so spunky and it just yeah you're just like oh kid okay. yeah. <laughs> good it. time perfect well tell us about yeah some turning points in your life or decisions oh, yeah. that dramatically impacted the course of your life um so I know a lot of people have said their marriage and while my marriage to Jeffrey was probably um, a highlight of my life, I wouldn't say it's a turning point because it just, it happened. Like it just felt like a really natural progression. We became really good friends and we, like the next step was just marriage. Yes. And I don't feel like before Jeff, I don't think I would have ever married anybody. To be honest, I was never, I never saw myself as marrying anybody. I was a really independent person. And after I met Jeff, it just felt so natural to be with him that I never questioned it. Like it was just yes. always like, okay, this is the next step. I like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a turning point. It didn't change our lives. It just felt yeah. like this coming together of basically, yeah, like two halves of a whole is, yeah. is more or less what it felt like. And it just felt right. It's always felt right. And that's kind of how we are. We're definitely each other's best friends. And I feel like he is always my sounding board. When I get fired up, he's my, he's my, okay, you need to calm down kind of person. He's got a really even temper. And so he's always my foil a little bit. So, yeah. um, but the turning points in our lives were one, when we moved to Arizona, that was a big decision. Cause I, yeah, cause it sounds like everybody was, you were here yes. and your family was here. Everybody's here. Yeah. We've been here for a really long time. And this opportunity to move down to Arizona and we didn't know anybody in Arizona, there was nobody there and that was that was just a really big decision um but i loved it i loved it so much the there's a a lot more diversity in arizona i met so many people from different backgrounds and different ways of thinking and people from all over like spokane is a lot of people stay here and a lot of people don't move on it, it's not very diverse Arizona was really, really diverse and I enjoyed it while we were there. And if it had just been me and Jeff forever, I don't think we would have left it. You know, it was, it felt very right to be there at the time. And we learned a significant amount. I mean, that's where we kind of grew up together too, yeah. as a married couple, you know, just to kind of get used to each other. And Jeff previously, um, when we graduated, there weren't any architecture jobs because the economy had kind of taken a, a downturn true, in 2008. Yeah. yeah. And so there weren't any jobs for him. And so we didn't really know what he was going to do. I make a lot of money as a pharmacist. So we we're just kind of figuring things out. And he, as an architect student, learned how to run laser cutters. So I said, okay, how about we do an investment into a laser cutter you know, there's this, this base, this business is kind of taking off. We, yeah. We've seen some other people use these, you know, that'd be kind of fun. So he did that. He started working with a laser cutter and basically doing sales and like customer service. And he's, he's such a good customer service person. He shares with me some of the emails he gets. And I'm just like, I don't know how you can stand it when these people talk to you, like yes. this. but he's so even killed. It doesn't really bother him. 
So he did that. He worked in our garage in the 120 degree heat in the garage. <laughs> so we had to insulate it and he got like yeah. his own um, HVAC for the garage because it was so hot. But he did that. And then I was a pharmacist um, at a children's hospital, which I really, really loved. I grew so much as a pharmacist. It was such a diverse patient population, and it was a huge hospital, a 600-bed pediatric standalone facility, which is very large. And we would see, I would see everything from, because it was kids, um, congenital malformations, so heart defects. They had like a 3D printer where they would do an imaging of the heart and then print it on a 3D printer so that the surgeon could then recognize and look at the heart and the vessels and stuff and then be able to go operate. It was fascinating. I learned how to operate things like there's things called VADs, vascular access devices. When your heart stops working, they basically turn into a turbine and pump your blood. It's just, it was the coolest job I've ever had. I loved it so, so much until I had children. I was, I was an emergency room pharmacist at that time. And you would see a significant amount of, of kids and everybody would always be crying. And so when you had little kids and then at work, you're having little kids and everybody's crying, it became, it was really difficult. And the, it was a huge emergency department. We had six trauma bays, which is a significant amount. Yeah. And there was just one day um, that a baby came in and they were doing compressions on the baby and rolled them into the trauma bay. And the baby was the same size as Bridget. And they were, they just weren't there anymore. And that, it just broke me a little bit. It broke my heart. I think that and the hardest part too is like having to deal with kids that had, um, that were on, um, oncology patients. Mm-hmm. So getting chemo and stuff, cause those kids it just come out of nowhere. And it was just really, it was really hard for me to watch that kind of thing, especially when you have little kids. And so I was like, you know what? One, I hate the summers here. Um, I remember in May, Emerson was like two. And we went to a playground. It was May. And it was already 100 degrees by 9 o'clock in the morning. And his poor little face was beet red. He's like sweating bullets. And I was like, yeah, no, I think I'm done. I think I'm really done. So we decided to move back at that time and that's turning point number two. So we thought, you know, we, we really like our house down here. We've had both kids down here. I really love my job except when I don't, but we hate the summers. Okay, I think it's time to move back. Mm-hmm. So that was our turning point number two was coming home. Um, and that kind of feeds into where we're at now, which was actually finding the church too, because I'm a convert. Yeah. Jeff and I are both converts and so um, finding our ward here was was a huge transformation for us I think too and I feel like part of the coming home was there was a reason that we needed to do that so a lot, how long were you here in Spokane before that happened so we moved back in 2018 okay December of 2018 so right on the cusp of 2019 the missionaries started coming to see us in October of 2019 okay so yeah less than about a year yeah Yeah, about a year so the missionaries started coming to see us in October and how did they knocked on your door they knocked on my door and I remember when I was little um my dad since he was a teacher in the area he had a lot of Mormon students yeah and the missionaries would come to our house because we lived actually just over on Best Road okay yeah um and we also lived Lower Ridgemont for a while 
before we moved to Deer Park, but on Best Road and the missionaries would come and they would knock on the door. And my dad was always so gracious and he would let them in. He said, yeah, you know, you're not going to change my mind about my religion, but I want you, you know, come in, get, take a load off, get warm. Do you need yeah. anything to drink? And I just, I was, I loved my dad for that. And so when I saw the missionaries, I felt like I'm going to do that same thing. Like, I feel like I feel the need to do that. And so the, our first missionaries were girls and they came in and, um, we just started talking and, you know, um, I didn't really connect with the, with the first set, but the second set, um, sister Bates. Okay. I loved sister Bates so much. I had a huge connection with sister Bates. Um, she was also a convert. And so her, her story and her, um, just her belief just made me feel, uh, really warm inside. And I just loved having those conversations with her and like picking her brain about how she felt about religion and all that sort of thing. Um, as a child, my dad, my dad's family is Catholic. My dad grew up Catholic and he hated it. Okay. He did not enjoy his upbringing in the Catholic church. My grandma was a stoic Catholic. My grandpa, maybe not so much, but my grandma was definitely, um, she loved the community part. I remember going when I was little to jumble sales, she would like do part of the jumble sale and I would help her as a little girl. We would go to, um, class or not, not class, but just to, um, sacrament meetings and stuff like that. And I didn't really ever enjoy it. There was this crusty yeah. old guy sitting up there <laughs> telling me, you know, how I'm supposed to feel about religion. And I wasn't always too keen on it, but I went with my grandma cause I loved her. And my dad hated it. And so he never wanted religion to be forced on us as kids. And so he said, I'm not, I'm not going to baptize you and we're not going to go to church. Um, you know, cause I don't, I don't want you to be indoctrinated with something you may not believe. Yeah. I want you to be able to make the decision about religion on your own. So I said, okay. So, you know, I went to, I went to churches with my friends growing up. I went to, you know, some Sunday schools and it was just like, eh, no, you know, I went to the, yeah. some of the rock and roll Christian churches okay. and I'm just like this, I don't feel like this is really church. I don't feel like this is very churchy. So, and there's, I just never felt like yeah. God's presence in a church. I just didn't feel that way. For me, God had always connected to me through garden. Mm -hmm. gardening my grandma was a both grandmas were huge gardeners one grandma was from a farming family so she always had a garden in her backyard she had beautiful flowers everywhere um she grew iris um bearded iris all over her yard and i actually have some of those my aunt had gotten some mm -hmm. of the, the rhizomes and um you can pass them down through generations so i actually have some of her original iris and my other grandma was also a huge gardener, had roses, tomatoes. I just loved it. Peonies. Yeah. Loved that experience. So whenever I was in the garden with them or by myself, that's honestly where God had always talked to me before. You know, when you're sitting there when it's quiet and you're weeding, I, that's where I would feel God's yeah. presence. I was never in a church before that. Yeah. So, but when the girls started talking to me, um, and I, I had this really good connection with Sister Bates, we, we came to church um, as a, you know, just a meet and greet. And I believe the first time, I think before we even started coming to church, we went to the Christmas uh, meeting in 2019 and our neighbors, the Cannons were there and I'm like, oh, hi. Yeah. And, they, so our, and our neighbors are fantastic. They're wonderful people. And it was just, it was so interesting because we go and all of these people keep coming up to us to say <laughs> hello. And at first we're like, 
are all these people really that nice? Like, I don't, why are they all saying hi? And we were a little intimidated because we're like, yeah. wow, this is so many people. They're yeah, so friendly. <laughs> and no, we just kept coming back and it just kept happening. And I was like, this, you know, this is a good feeling. I feel really good about this. And all of these people are so well-meaning. They just want to say hi. Like they truly want to just say hello. Yeah. And I just, I, we loved it. And we, we really, really love our ward. So we um, got to know some people and we started going to church and um, I had decided at that point when, when our lessons were kind of done with the um, missionaries that in February 2020, I would get baptized. So I was baptized right before everything shut down. So I got baptized on, I believe, the 22nd of February 2020. The next week, the school yeah. shut down, everything shut down. Church so it was right down. before that. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, we didn't have church for a while and we were at a home, long time. Yes. <laughs> but the missionaries kept coming. So okay. we still had, we still had lessons and we were still talking about stuff and learning about the Bible and all of that stuff. And I had my neighbors, the canons, they introduced me to Book of Mormon Central videos for come follow me. So I just, you know, I just kept doing that kind of stuff. And um, then we went back to church virtual in like the summer or something okay, like yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, it's good. I love it. So, yeah, you touched on how you gained your testimony, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I guess how did you, how have you continued to nurture it? I guess yeah. the past few years, it's just been a couple of years. And well, never having like a official education in the church. I had never read the Bible. Um, I had, I had tried a couple times to read and I would read, <laughs> I would read Genesis cause I'm a, I'm a black and white person. I yeah. feel like you got to start at the beginning and then you got to work yourself through the book, right? You got to mm -hmm. start it there. Yeah. So I would read Genesis and I'd be like, this is a fantasy novel. What are we talking <laughs> about here? And I just could never get into it because the language was hard. You know, yeah. it was just hard. And I was, I was by myself. I was just reading it. So I never really looked into it. Um, but with the Book of Mormon Central Come Follow Me curriculum, they make it into a historical perspective and it has been a lot easier for me to get into the scriptures and be like oh wow i didn't know that about his the history of the bible or why they phrased it this way or why that may have been it's it's been very interesting and enlightening for me and i've actually very much enjoyed it and this is the first time i've been through the old testament so i'm i'm on track and i'm just like okay what's next so I've really, really enjoyed that. And then I've also, um, learning to pray has been a very newer, a much newer experience for me. And while I would sit, like, I would talk to God in the garden in a certain yeah. way, you know, I would kind of have conversations with him, praying, like actually praying, sitting down to pray, doing it purposefully was never part of something that I did. And actually this year, um, being director of pharmacy, it, it has been um, really a difficult year for me. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations. And I have prayed, I sit down and pray in my car before I go into work every single day. Because I know that there's going to be something that day yeah. that's going to come up. And I just need to like prepare myself a little bit and talk to God and ask, ask for certain things and, and ways to help. So that has <coughs> been an education for me. And I, I have really appreciated that. So while while this year has been full of trials and tribulations, I feel like it has helped me progress in my personal conversation with God. Um, I also feel like I have tried really hard this year specifically to recognize God's hand in things. Previously, not 
not being part of a church that like talks about what does the Holy Ghost feel like? What does that look like? What do those, those events in your life, what do they, what shape and form do they take? It's really hard for somebody to be like, yeah, that was a miracle in my life. Or yeah, that was God's hand in my life. I don't feel like I ever had that before. And after, you know, like talking to a lot of people in the church, talking to the missionaries, being able to ask those kinds of questions, I feel like I have tried really hard this year to see God's hand in, in my life. And that, that has been enlightening too. I feel like I see him a lot more than I would have ever thought before. And the feeling that the Holy Ghost brings, it's just so peaceful. And before it was confusing but now I feel like I know a lot more and I feel like I know what that feels like. And I'm excited to share that with my kids too. Yeah. You know, that feeling and try to explain that. It's just, it's just been very educational. I feel like. Oh, thanks. Well, anything else that we didn't cover before we finish up? Um, just this last question yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah. What does being a follower of Christ mean to you? Um, I feel like for me, Christ following Christ means love. Really, it's about keeping, um, I feel like before this, before my conversion, that keeping your heart flexible and not hardened was really hard for me personally. I feel like, you know, it's hard when there's a lot of contentions in your life and you feel like things are coming at you not to try to protect that heart and, and harden it away from people, but I feel like this year and this experience for me has taught me a lot about love and that people just need love. You just need to keep your heart as flexible as you can in understanding. Um, there are a couple of quotes that I just really adore and two of them, one of them is from Mother Teresa and the other is from uh, Mr. Rogers. So I'll, I'll share the one for Mr. Rogers first. So Mr. Rogers, um, it says he always kept these words from a social worker in his pocket. Frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you heard their story. And I, I deeply believe that once you know people at their, you know, the, the deepest parts of them, there's nobody that you wouldn't sit there and go, yeah, there's a reason to love every single person. The other one from Mother Teresa, um, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus, I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. And that one, that one is definitely um, one I try to work on. I don't feel like, you know, this is, this is not a perfection situation, <laughs> but you know, just, just hearing those words and trying to reframe your thoughts about how to love people more the most important thing. I couldn't have said it better. I love the Mr. Rogers one because as I've sat and listened to all the stories after every single one, I'm just like, oh, I just love, you know, you can feel like okay. once you know their story, you just, you just love feel everybody. that love for even more so. So that's why we're, so if you haven't been interviewed for the podcast yet, please Do reach it. out. Yes, because we want to hear and love you. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for sitting down with us. Thank you. Loved hearing your story.